Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship the Lord for a few moments longer. Would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice all across this building as we continue to magnify him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. By his grace. Hallelujah. We are in this building today. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give God a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord today, to be in the presence of God with God's people. Amen. Are you thankful to be in the presence of God today? Amen. Hallelujah. At this time, we would like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classes and their teachers as well. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids and God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. It is such an honor to have all of our guests and our visitors in the house of the Lord with us. Uh, some friendly faces we've seen before. We're glad to have you back in the presence of God. Amen. And we're looking forward to what the Lord will do. We want to encourage you uh, to come back and just get, just jump right in the water. It feels real nice. Amen. And, uh, and just be in the presence of the Lord. We've got Tuesday night prayer at 7 p.m. It's a great place for you to come and pray with your family and pray with your church family where we can just call on the name of Jesus. And uh, all of a sudden, the things that we're stressed about, worried about, he takes care of them for us. Amen. What a great exchange that is. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Mark, chapter 2, and beginning at verse number 1. Mark, chapter 2, and verse Number one, the Bible says, and he, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. I love this. When Jesus saw his faith. It's usually how we read it. When Jesus saw their faith, thank God for good friends. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. There will always be critics. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? They were right on the money. Only God can forgive sins. They just didn't realize who was standing in front of them. 
And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. What is easier? To get a paralyzed individual to be able to walk or for them to be forgiven? In God's eyes, it's all the same. He can do both. He looks and he says, arise, uh, he said, but then, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy. He just cut through all the critics right there and just said, hey, I want to let you know I got power to forgive you too. And he said, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Amen. We've never seen God work like this before. Amen. I'm thankful for the moments that God works in our lives where even the critic has to admit God is at work. Aren't you thankful for the miracles that God performs in your life? That even the people that doubt and don't believe have to admit something is different about you. Something is different in your life. I think we ought to give God a great big hand clap of praise for his miracle work and power. Amen. I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Broken and entering. Broken and entering. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands as we pray all across this building. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit that we feel in this house, God. Hallelujah. We're believing that there are people in this building that they might have walked in one way, but by your grace and by your spirit, they're going to walk out a completely different way. And God, we give you great glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments in the presence of the Lord. And broken and entering. The Bible declares that again Jesus entered into Capernaum and it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Everybody say the house. You know, there's a lot of houses out there. But there's the house. And the house was the place that Jesus, after multiple times of coming to Capernaum, had determined this was going to be the house. Amen. In every city and in every region, we've got to look for the house. The house is different from other houses because when Jesus enters into the city, enters into the region, he's already predetermined there is going to be a meeting place where I am going to be, I am going to teach, I am going to heal, I am going to minister, and that place where Jesus dwells is the house. Amen. Let me help you here today. This was the precursor, and Jesus was teaching his disciples in how to establish the church of the living God. He said when you go into a city, he said you go house to house until you find a place or a house where they want the word of God being preached. 
And when you enter into that place and they say, we want the word of God, he said, you continue therein teaching and preaching, healing and doing miracles. He said, but when you come to a house and they don't want that, he said, you shake the dust off your feet and you keep on going. And you go back to the house where they want miracles. Amen. He was letting them know that just as I am doing right now in Capernaum, I am determining that there will be a house in this city. There would be a house in this region. There will be a church in this city. There will be a church in this region. And in this church, uh, it might start in a house, uh, but it will end up a lot bigger than just the house. Hallelujah. Don't despise the day of small things, church. Uh, amen. What starts in the house doesn't stay in the house. Uh, as long as there's people that want the word of God, it will grow and it will expand. Uh, as long as there's people that are ready to be healed, ready to be delivered, uh, amen, I want you to know Jesus' presence will dwell there. <laughs> Jesus came to the house. Amen. Many Believers and expositors believe this was Peter's mother-in-law's house. This is where he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And uh, they were opening up their home as a place of ministry, a place in which uh, the hungry could come, the hurting could be healed, the place where the broken could be set free. I mean, that is a perfect representation of the church of the living God. We are not a club for those that have got it all together. The church is a hospital for the hurting. Some people got it all mixed up. They think the church, well, I can't go to church because everybody there is perfect. That's like being sick and saying, I can't go to the hospital because everybody there is well. <laughs> The true story is the church is a hospital for the hurting, and this is a place where they can come. Notice how I didn't say the church is like a morgue. This isn't a place where people come to die. This is a place where people come to get better. This isn't a hospice. This is a hospital. Let me say that again. The church is not a hospice where people go to die. This is a hospital where people go to get better. You can come in broken, but brothers and sisters, by the time you leave and Jesus gets done with you, you won't be broken no more. If anybody's got a testimony of God's power, give him some praise. Hallelujah. So he determined this house is going to be the house. Amen. But it was not that Jesus saw and went to all the other houses and said, well, this house is nicer than all the other houses. No, it was this is the place where they are welcoming in anybody who wants to be there. Church, that is a secret to revival. Amen. Uh, I hope you find that ARC is one of the most loving churches you've ever been in. We love people. Amen. We love all people, all languages, all colors, all backgrounds, all demographics. We ought to give God praise for that. You know why we love all kinds of people? Because God loved us first, and we are the demographic of the world. We are all kinds of people. And I thank God that he never gave up on me. I thank God that he never gave up on you. I thank God that he never stopped. He never Woo, he never gave up on your family. He kept on reaching. Amen. So Jesus comes into the house, 
And he's got a habit every time he goes in, he goes to the house. Amen. It is Jesus' custom to go to church. Hallelujah. Jesus never stopped that custom. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus still goes to church. Jesus still enters the house. Amen. But the beautiful thing is, is that there were people in this region that recognized the house that Jesus dwelt in. The Bible says it was noise abroad. You know, we, 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 we've got a lot of people in the world. They like to gossip. But I want to tell you in the church of the living God, we need to gossip the gospel. We need to let people know where there's a place where they can be healed, where there's a place they can be delivered. Hallelujah. If you want to know what your God-given purpose is, it's to tell somebody about Jesus. It's to tell them where they can get well. It's to tell them where they can be healed. Amen. So they started sharing and, and they started gossiping. Hey, Jesus is in that one house over there. And I heard he's healing people. Jesus went to ARC today and I heard somebody got the Holy Ghost. That's what we ought to do on Monday morning. This is what we ought to do on Sunday after church when we're eating at Denny's. Praise God. We ought to let the waitress know, hey, Jesus came and he started forgiving people for all the things they did wrong. Hey, did you know somebody came in sick, but they got healed? Uh, did you know somebody came in with a broken marriage about on the brink of divorce, but by the time they got done in the altar, Jesus turned it all around? There was somebody that was broke, busted, and disgusted, but Jesus turned it around. We ought to let everybody know. And the Bible says it was noise abroad that Jesus was in the house. Amen. But I thank God because it eventually got in the ears of about five guys. Not burgers and fries. Praise God. It got into the ears of some folks, and they heard that Jesus was in the house. You know, your conversation makes a big difference in the eternity of people. Hallelujah. This is why I don't have time to get on Instagram and Facebook and just post a bunch of junk. Amen. Because there are so many people that are looking for Jesus that if we're going to do anything, I, I think we ought to not involve ourselves in all this other junk in the world. We ought to involve ourselves in spreading the gospel to a lost and dying world. When your coworkers are gossiping about the boss and what they don't like, you ought to avoid all that mess and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done. You know, I, I've actually won a few people like this to God that I, I'd get done with church and I'd go to the coffee shop or I'd end up at, uh, I'd end up at the restaurant and, and they'd say, well, how, how's your day going? Oh, man, it's awesome. We had great church. They didn't even ask about church, but I was at church today. We had great church this weekend. Oh, you, but, you know, you don't want to hear about it. They eventually, well, what happened at church? Well, let me tell you about what happened at church. Somebody walked in, and they threw their drugs on the altar, amen, and we flushed them down the toilet. Somebody walked in addicted, and they got delivered. When we start sharing that Jesus is in the house, it starts filling up the house. Hallelujah. It's a secret, a key to revival. Amen. If we will share that Jesus is in the house. So it gets in the ears of a couple of guys and, and uh, you know, these, these four guys. And uh, they recognize that uh, we've got a friend that's broken. We've got a friend that's sick. And we've heard that Jesus is in this house and that when Jesus is there, miracles happen. The Bible says people started coming out of the woodworks, coming out of the droves. They started filling into the house so much that there was not even room at the door. There wasn't room at the window. You know, I'm praying for a revival that hits ARC where people got to line up outside the door just to get a good seat. 
You can call me crazy, but I've already been there, done that, and I've seen it. Amen. Where people showed up a couple hours early just to get a parking spot. Where people showed up early so they could get themselves a seat. I've already been a part of a revival where that happens, and I'm believing that God wants to do that here where people... The usher's got to stand out because there's no room for him to stand at the door where there's three deep in the altar, three deep in the back. But you know how that's going to happen? When we let people know that Jesus is in the building. Uh, when we let them know that there's miracle-working power in the building. So these guys, they, they look at their friend and they recognize that that he is, he's got the palsy, he's paralyzed, not able to move like they're able to move. He's, he's, but he's got some brokenness in his life. And he, he, he recognized himself. Uh, he, I don't know who heard of it first, whether it was his friends or whether it was the man. I, I don't know. But somebody heard the rumor where Jesus was going to be meeting. And uh, he, he, he recognized and they recognized that he had some brokenness in his life. Amen. They say the first step to recovery is admitting that there's a problem. When you recognize that something is not normal, something isn't right, amen, that's the first step to finding an answer. You know, you don't look for answers when you don't start asking, when you, when you don't start first asking questions. When you start asking questions, uh, you then go looking for answers. And so when you recognize that something is wrong in the equation, uh, and I want to find the answer, the Bible declares that they realized that this man was broken, and they also realized, uh, amen, that, that they did not want him to stay broken. Let me help you here today. When first you recognize there's brokenness in your life, uh, the next step is to get upset about the fact that there's brokenness in your life. I'm not talking about having a pity party. Pity parties, amen, never helped anybody. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to get up, dry your eyes, and move on from the pity party. Uh, but what will happen in that moment uh, is the Bible says he was sick of the palsy. Uh, amen, not only did he have a sickness, uh, but I believe that every day this man woke up, he got sick and tired of it. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be insensitive to people that have sicknesses, uh, amen, because it is a fact of life. Uh, but I've come to declare to you that there's a healer that in spite of the sickness is still able to to deliver you know there's some people that they don't ever get to step two they get to step one they recognize there's a problem but step two is saying I don't want to be in this situation anymore because there's some people that have learned to cope with their condition you know I heard of one man one time that came to a healing service and he told the preacher don't lay hands on me because if I get healed I lose my government check you know, there's some people that don't want to be healed. Amen. But you got to make it up in your mind. If you want to be delivered, if you want to be healed, you recognize, first off, I need to be delivered. I need to be healed. I need to be forgiven. I need to be fixed. Something. God, you're going to have to do something about it. And then you got to get so tired of being in that position that you say, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. I just got to be healed. I'll go wherever I got to go. I just want to be healed. I've heard of people that were religious their whole lives, uh, that, that, that uh, we, we had some converts back home that were religious their whole lives, went to uh, other, other denominal churches that did not believe in healing, and uh, they were content to be there until they got sick. They were content uh, to be in something like that, but the moment they got sick, uh, they started looking for a church that believed in healing. 
And brothers and sisters, they came to my home church, uh, and God delivered them. And they might have said, man, I was, I was happy where I was, uh, but I wasn't healed where I was. But I, they, said I, they used to say to people, I'd never become a Pentecostal until they recognized that it was the apostolic church uh, that believed in healing. It was the Pentecostal church that believed in miracles. And they all of a sudden said, I'll never run the aisles. I'll never go to a Pentecostal church. But once they showed up and God healed them, they started running the aisles. Uh, once God got done healing them, they started speaking in other tongues. Once they got past stage one, which is acknowledged that there's a problem, they got past stage two, uh, saying, I'm tired of being in this position. I don't want to just cope in my condition. You find it all the way through the Bible. Jesus, even as he walked through the city, there are sick people. And notice how not all of them got healed. Amen. It was the ones like Bartimaeus that cried out and said, I'm tired of being blind. It was the man at the pool of Bethesda that said, man, I would really like to be healed. There was others that they they sat at the gate collecting change and getting coins, and they were satisfied coping with their dysfunction and coping with their brokenness. But there's others that said, I I might be broken, but I don't want to stay broken forever. And those are the ones that Jesus healed. Amen. The Bible declares it was noise abroad that he was in the house. Uh, amen. And they said, all right, this is what we're going to do. Uh, you get one side of our friend. You get the other side. You get a leg. You get a leg. I get a hand. You get a hand. Uh, and we're going to take this guy all the way to Jesus. Uh, amen. You may not have all the answers, uh, but it's really important that you learn where the answers can be found. We don't have all the answers in life, but let me tell you, I know the one that has all the answers. Furthermore, I know the one that is the answer. You may not have all the answers, but if you could find out where Jesus is, you can get an answer. You may not know what it's going to take to be healed, but if you can get to Jesus, he's the healer. You may not know what you got to do in life, but if you get to Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. You just got to know where to get your help. Amen. They knew and they figured out where the answer was. And so they took each one a limb, started carrying this guy. Amen. They, uh, I want you to notice that, that the Bible says there was one sick of the palsy, which was carried by four. Amen. Those are good odds right there. One sick to four well. Amen. Notice that it was the one that was sick, the four that were well. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. In other words, it was the faith of friends that made all the difference in this man's life. Uh, there's people that came to church to say, I don't, then they've said today, Pastor, I don't have faith for myself. That's okay. We're not going to demonize anybody that says, and they're honest and say, Lord, I don't have any faith right now. I've been in this position so long, I've lost all my faith. Amen. I I just want to tell you that even when you don't have faith enough for yourself, uh, you can get you some friends with faith. Let me just say that I don't have faith, Pastor. That's all right. You just need to find you some friends that have some faith. When you get some people in your life that have faith, in the moments when you are weak, they can be strong. In the moments when you doubt, they can have faith. In the moments when you don't feel like it, they can pick your carcass up and move you around. You need to get you some friends that will get you to church. You need to get you some friends that will get you to Jesus. You need to get you some friends that will get you to the altar. 
Let me help you here today. If you don't have faith, you're in a church tonight that's got enough faith for you and for everybody else. You've come too late to tell some of us that God isn't able to heal. We've seen them heal bodies. Well, I don't know if God can forgive. We've seen God forgive. I don't know if God can deliver. We've seen God deliver time and time again. For most of us, that's our testimony. That's our story. It was the grace of God. We were broken, but we came to Jesus, and he turned it all around. Somebody shout and give God praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. We got enough faith for you. We got enough faith you can be saved. We got enough faith you can be delivered. We got enough faith you can be healed. We got enough faith for everything. Oh, come on, somebody give him some praise. Give God a shout of victory in this house. We worship you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. They say you are the sum total of the people you spend time with. Amen. Somebody else also said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So many people struggle to get free, to get delivered, to get saved, to get on fire for God because of the peer group that they surround themselves with. Hey, listen, don't, don't, don't expect to make it to church if all the people around you are, it just don't have any desire to go to church. Don't expect to have faith if you keep surrounding yourself by people that have nothing but doubt. I'm not talking about getting rid of people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, who do you spend the most time with? What kind of friends do you keep? See, this is where Christianity gets real practical. Amen. You know why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? Because the Bible says we are to provoke one another to good works. Because there's nothing like being in church, amen, when you don't feel like worshiping and you see somebody that just told you what they've been going through, amen, and they're over there worshiping God and giving God all and something pricks you and convicts you and inspires you that says, well, if they can do it, so can I. After all the hell they've been through, if they can still lift their hands and give God praise, I can lift my hands and give God praise. You see people that have come out of darkness into light. If they can come out of that mess, so can I. You see somebody come from a broken home, so can I. You see somebody come out of drug addiction, so can I. You see somebody throw the alcohol down the drain, so can I. you got to surround yourself. Surround yourself with good friends. Surround yourself with people Amen, that are trying to go the direction you want to go. Amen. Uh, in fact, amen, it's interesting that this one man that was broke, broken, sick, amen, he had four friends that weren't. I've met too many people that, all, that, that they are tired of alcohol, but all their friends go to the bar. Get you some new friends. Well, I want to quit. I really do. I believe you. I believe you, uh, but those friends don't want to quit. Well, maybe this is just too practical today. Well, I, I want to I, I be free. I really do. I believe you, but you got friends that every time there's a, a, a party, they invite you. Well, I, I, I really don't want to keep falling into this and falling into that, but every time it gets, uh, it, you know, it gets late at night, I get on my phone and, uh, and, and I, I read some things from my friends or from my boyfriend or from whatever it might be, and, and it just tempts me too far. You need to change your phone number. You need to delete your Instagram. Get rid of your Snapchat. You need to get rid of Well, somebody help me out up here. <laughs> I need some moms and dads to help me out over here. Praise God. 
you need to, you need to get rid of some people in your life uh, that are not going the direction that you want to go. Because if you keep following them, amen, that, that misery loves company and they'll keep you around, uh, amen. And when you want to get free, they'll think you're being weird. When you all of a sudden start going to church, I've been there. I've had friends uh, that, that, that they were good with me when I was at the party. They were good with me when I was hanging out. But the moment I started walking towards Jesus, uh, they started saying, hold on. The moment that the depression was gone, amen, no, no longer did we have things in common. All of a sudden, I didn't want to kill myself, and, and now we weren't as good of friends anymore. But let me tell you, when you want to be free, you got to surround yourself by people that will help get you free. Can I put a shameless plug uh, for the church of the living God? You need to get in the church. You need to get in the kingdom. You need to get in the ark. While everybody else is drowning, you can get in the boat. There's so many people, they want to be delivered, they want to be free, but their peer group just continually goes the opposite direction from where they want to go. And I say peer group, and everybody thinks teenagers. <laughs> you know you got peers when you're 60 years old? <laughs> I, I, you know, I've had some folks that are 60 years old that they want to get saved, but all their friends became theologians uh, later on in life. <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't know about that. Uh, there's also people that are in their middle age that they want to take care of some things with God, but they can't uh, because the people they surround themselves with. Uh, amen. Let me help you. You need to surround yourself with friends that are strong in the areas of your weakness. Uh, don't surround yourself with friends uh, that are as weak as you are. Uh, if you want to be healed, uh, you got to get yourself some friends that want you to be healed. If you want to be delivered, you need to find you some friends that want you to be delivered. If you want to have a strong marriage, stop hanging out with people that always complain about their marriage. Go find you some couples that are excited to be married. Ooh, I felt something in the spirit right there. You need to find some people that talk good about their spouse, not bad about their spouse. You want to stay in a happy, committed relationship. You got to find other people in a happy, committed relationship. You know, they say, they say people that have one divorced friend are like 60% more likely to get divorced themselves. And we're not talking about just having a friend. We're talking about spending quality amounts of time. Because all of a sudden, you start hearing the way that they talk about it in their jaded view. And all of a sudden, you think, well, that's not that bad of an idea. But instead, if you hang around people that have committed themselves, uh, we're doing this thing till death do us part. Uh, you're going to all of a sudden have some form uh, of friends that are picking you up when you're weak, uh, even when you feel like quitting, that are saying, no, no, no. If they're not quitting, I'm not quitting. Spiritually speaking, if you are blind, get you some friends that can see. If you are deaf, get you some friends that can hear. Well, pastor, I can't hear God. Find somebody that can. If you are paralyzed, amen, in your spirit, not able to make a move, you need to get some friends that are constantly looking to make a move in God. If you are tempted on the Internet late at night, you need to get some friends that aren't, or at least get you some friends that will help you not be. Whew. 
If you are tempted uh, to drink alcohol, uh, amen, you need to get some friends where alcohol does not entice them. Uh, If you're tempted uh, to get high, uh, don't hang out with the drug dealer. If you're tempted to skip church, uh, don't hang out with the person that never makes it to church. Find a different ride. Take a different direction. Ride in a different car. Get on the church van. They'll pick you up every service. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, let's give God some praise. I know that's practical, but if you want to be healed, you got to go to the place of healing. you got to get people that are invested in your healing. You need to get people that are invested in your salvation. If you want to be saved, you cannot spend all your time with people that are not. I'm not talking about reaching the world. I already qualified. This is the place where we invite them to. I've got friends that aren't saved because I'm trying to win them. Hallelujah. Uh, But if I feel like they're pulling me to hell and I'm not pulling them to heaven, sorry, brother, we got to go. Because I'm trying to get you to heaven. Amen. I'm trying to get you saved. I'm trying to get you in the kingdom of God. My father always put it this way. You can have the biggest drug dealer in the city as your best friend. And my father had the biggest drug dealer as his best friend. Uh, Just he couldn't control it. He said, but if they start influencing you, you shouldn't be friends anymore. I I wish he'd have taken his own advice. But but, but let me help you here today. As long as you're the one doing the influencing, uh, amen, it's going to be all right. Uh, As long as you're leading them, uh, as long as you're the one doing the carrying, uh, carrying them all the way. But let me tell you, if you're all broken, laid on the ground, uh, nobody's getting to the house. Uh, Nobody's getting healed. Uh, Nobody's getting delivered. Uh, But if you surround yourself with people that say, I want to see you better, I want to see you do better, I want to see you go further, something changes. The Bible declares that these friends grabbed this man and they started marching towards the house. When they recognized where the answer was, they said, we're going to the answer. And they showed up and the front door was blocked by a crowd of people. Hey. Fire exit. Everybody move. They showed up to the window, but everybody's blocking the windows. And I'm sure this man started to get heavy after a while. And they started looking around, and they saw themselves a nice little fire escape. Well, they probably didn't have that then, but... They grabbed themselves some way. I have no doubt it took all four of them. They got one of their friends. They boosted them up. You ever done this when you're jumping a fence? At least we used to. We used to get in places we weren't supposed to be. But uh, where it says trespassing, do not enter. Yeah, that was the kind of people I hung out with. So you just boost them up over the fence. And once they get up over the fence, they reach down and they pull you up. And one by one, they get all their friends until there's one friend left and three friends on the roof. Uh, and they reach down and those three friends grab the man that is sick of the palsy. They put him on the roof. Uh, They reach down for their other friend, get him on the roof, uh, and they say, great, we got up here, but what are we going to do to get down there? Uh, And somebody came up with a bright idea. Uh, This this roof isn't that strong. I bet you we could start ripping away at this mud. Uh, I bet it wasn't wasn't the roof tiles that we got now. Uh, They said, I bet if we just started hitting the wall, uh, we'd start eventually getting through. And little by little, these friends, they got their buddy laying there. He can't do nothing. He's broken, but he's on his way to be healed. And they start beating into the wall, beating into the ceiling, and digging away, clawing. I want to tell you, you need people like that in your life that they'll claw you out of hell. They'll claw you out of addiction. They'll claw you out of sin. 
They'll dig your way out so you can be saved, so you can be delivered. Finally, one of them breaks through the roof a little bit. Got a little peephole. And I'm sure, amen, everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. Just like when that light went off. Everybody's like, the light. They couldn't focus on nothing else. Hey, look, I have no doubt if somebody's up on the roof, it's not Santa Claus. And all of a sudden, I see a crack in the, either something's about to fall through, and we need to get out of this building because it's about to fall apart. Everybody's trying to listen to Jesus, but they notice there's a hole in the ceiling, and the hole keeps getting bigger. And Jesus is talking, and Jesus is, is, he already knows what's happening, but he keeps on preaching the word, 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 and they're digging through the roof, and then they get a little further, they start breaking it apart. I have no doubt the homeowners start to get aggravated, but they don't care. Because he's broken and we're getting in. He's broken, but we don't want him to stay that way. Amen. And they started ripping up the roof. And when they had broken the roof up, amen, they found a way. They said, now we got to get this guy down. Amen. Maybe they brought some ropes with them. They tied him up. And they started lowering the man as best they could so they didn't hurt him any further. Because real friends are trying to help you, not hurt you. Amen. It might seem like it's taking a while, but they're really trying to help you. And they start lowering him down. And the whole crowd's not even listening to Jesus now. They're just watching this wild thing this man coming down from the ceiling and everybody's scratching their head this is insane and they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay right at the feet of Jesus let me help somebody here today don't let anything stop you from getting to Jesus Well, I got to work. Don't let work stop you from getting to Jesus. Well, I, I got to do one more deal. Don't let one more deal stop you from getting Jesus. Well, I just got to, I just got to, don't let anything stop you from getting to Jesus. Let me help somebody else also that's saying, well, I'd come to Jesus, but I want to get well first. That's like saying I got to get well before I go to the hospital. I got to get fit before I go to the gym. No, you come broken and all. You might be broken, but enter the house. You might be busted, but enter the house. You might be sick, but enter the house. You might be in sin, but enter the house. You might be addicted, but enter the house. Don't even let your own hang-up stop you from coming to the house. Don't let your own insecurity stop you from coming to the house. you got to get to Jesus. It does not matter how you get here. Just get here. There's somebody that don't believe that yet. I'm going to help you believe that. It does not matter how you get here. Just get here. It doesn't matter how you get to Jesus. Just get to Jesus. Amen. It was a woman that crawled her way to Jesus until she was healed. It was a leper that intercepted Jesus and wouldn't let him go any further until he was cleansed. Bartimaeus stumbled blindly to Jesus and screamed as loud as he could until Jesus took notice of him and he was healed. It was Zacchaeus that climbed up a tree, Amen. not worried about what he looked like, didn't care about his 
reputation and cried out, Jesus, see me up here. Uh, it was the mother that cornered Jesus. Uh, amen. Until Jesus said he would deliver her daughter of the devil. Uh, there was a man's, uh, there were four friends in our text uh, that dug through a roof uh, and let a man down onto the ground uh, just so their friend could be healed. It didn't matter how they got there. It just mattered that they got there. It didn't matter what they had to go through to get to Jesus as long as they got to Jesus. It I come to preach to somebody, you're looking at somebody uh, that when they got saved was depressed and suicidal, put a knife to my wrist. Uh, but when I got to Jesus, uh, I used to step over my passed out father on my way to church. Uh, I called people for rides. Uh, I walked uh, to the church uh, because when you got it, uh, you're going to get to it. Uh, when you recognize where your answer is, no one can stop you. These friends had to face all sorts of things to get their friend to Jesus. They broke through the roof because they were tired of their friend being broken. Amen. There's some folks here today. You might be broken, but you need to make it up in your mind. I'm getting in that house. I might be broken, but I've determined... Amen, that I am, in spite of my condition, I am going to get to Jesus. Amen, I am sick of being broken, and I'm going to go to the one that can repair me. Somebody lift up your hands all across the building. I'm just about done preaching. But there's somebody, you need to make it up in your mind. Yeah, i got to get to Jesus today. I got to get to Jesus. I might be broken, but I'm entering where Jesus is. I might be broken, but I'm entering into the place where Jesus' presence can heal me. I might be broken, but but I'm going to bring my family to Jesus. I might be broken, but my kids, we're going to get my kids to Jesus. There might be broken situations, but we're going to get to Jesus where he can heal them. Now you got to worry about the next opposition. You got through the roof. You climbed up, you got the man into the house, but now they have to deal with the opposition of the narrative. Amen. The narrative, the story, or the tale that has been retold so many times that we start to believe it. That's what the, the news media does. Some would call it propaganda. You know, when you repeat something long enough, you start to believe it. Has anybody ever heard the verse, God helps those who help themselves? Raise your hand. You heard the verse? Yeah. That's not in the Bible. But you, you've heard the narrative. Now, there's people raise their hand, they've heard it, but they knew it wasn't in the Bible. But that's called the narrative. We start believing that it's true. God helps those who help themselves. So therefore, if I can't help myself, God won't help me. That's not in the Bible. Even the Bible talks about Romans chapter 6. It speaks of a God who helps those who cannot help themselves. The Bible says while we were without strength, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't have the ability or the, or the want, when we didn't even love him, the Bible says he first loved us. When we could not help ourselves, there was a God that helped us. But if you're given over to the wrong narrative, all of a sudden you start believing it. And that's why there's a whole world out there that says, I won't go to church because I'm not perfect. Amen. Because they bought in the narrative that it's full of perfect people, not a place to help people. Hallelujah. Amen. This is why people, they don't know about God because they see God as somebody having a lightning bolt. You know, my brother and I used to think if we ever walked in church that, that God would strike us dead. 
That's what we, we used to joke. We used to joke. In fact, when I finally got in church, my brother told me that exact phrase. If I walk through the church doors, I'm going to burst into flames. And I looked at him and said, if I didn't burst into flames, you'll be all right. But that's the narrative people believe about God, that God hates them, that God is mean, that God wants to curse them. But my Bible says God so loved the world. He didn't die because he hates you. He died because he loves you. He didn't get buried because he hates you. He got buried because he loves you. He didn't rise again on the third day because he hates you. He rose again on the third day because he loves you. Even after the opposition of the crowded doors and windows, even after the opposition of breaking through the roof and climbing up on, on top of the house, even after the opposition of slowly letting their friend down to the feet of Jesus, they had to face the opposition of other voices that said he's not allowed to be healed or forgiven by Jesus. Hallelujah. He's not allowed to be healed or forgiven by Jesus. They were pulling from the book of Leviticus that's, that speaks, uh, amen, of people that if they are broken, they are not allowed to go into the temple or into the holy place to offer sacrifices for their forgiveness. Uh, it talks about everything from them, amen, having their arm broken, their leg broken, uh, amen, if they're crookback or dwarf, if they have some physical imperfection, the book of Leviticus is saying, it's, it's not saying that that's what God would intend, uh, but it's talking about how the law was, uh, that man Mankind could not access God because of their brokenness. And only one man once a year, the high priest, could come in and offer atonement for the sins of all of the nation of Israel. But you can't because you're broken. And so everybody in that room said, Jesus, you can't because he's broken. And they even thought, you know, it's blasphemy to say you can forgive sins. But let's stop for a moment. Think about this. Let's just say you can forgive sins, which they doubted. This man should not be allowed forgiveness because he's broken. There's people that they have given themselves over the narrative of old, uh, uh, just demonic thought processes that said, well, everybody else can be forgiven, but my brokenness can't be forgiven. Everybody else can be healed, but not my sickness. Everybody else can be delivered, but not me. Everybody else can be set free from addiction, but my addiction is too much. Everybody else, everybody else, everybody else, and they've given over to the lie. Everybody else can have Jesus, but not me. Amen. I've come to dispel that lie in the name of Jesus. They had a bad theology. They had a bad theology that brokenness was permanent. Amen. And these four brethren, they had to overcome the critics. They had to overcome the doubters. They had to overcome some haters. Amen. Those that did not believe that healing was possible, that forgiveness was possible. Those that did not believe healing was allowed, that forgiveness was allowed. They had bad theology. Can I preach to somebody today? You got to beware of the narrative. The one that says you'll never be healed. The one that says you'll never be free. The one that says you'll never be enough. The one that says you'll never be forgiven. The one that says things will never change. The one that says you'll never change. The one that says you're not supposed to get out of this. The one that says you're supposed to stay addicted. You're supposed to stay broken. You're supposed to stay sick. 
I've come to preach you out of that. Amen. The book of Leviticus might have said that, but that was before Jesus showed up. The moment Jesus entered the room, the narrative began to change. Let's stand across. Let's lift up our hands. Come on, let's lift up our hands all across this place. You got to beware of the voices that say you're too broken for Jesus. You're too, you're too bad for Jesus. You're too messed up for Jesus. I want to tell you, you got you to overcome the narrative of those voices because Jesus is still there saying, son, I'll forgive you. Son, I'll set you free. God's in this building saying, I can deliver. I can heal. You know how you overcome the bad narrative? You get a new one. Jesus, you're not allowed to do that. You can't forgive. You can't heal. And Jesus leans right over to the man. I love how it's in your Bible. It's in a, it's in the quotes. It's in a way of just showing you that this was not for everybody to hear. He saith to the sick of the palsy. It was a one-on-one conversation. See, you could hear all sorts of things. But when you come to Jesus, he'll tell you something different. You can hear all sorts of voices. You, there's some folks in this building right now. You've got family members that have told you you'll never be free. There's some folks, the way you were raised, they said you'll always be this way because my dad was that way and I'm your dad and I'm this way. and So it's just how our family is. That's a false narrative. And in the middle of that false narrative where they're saying Jesus can't, Jesus shouldn't, Jesus won't, Jesus leans right over and says, hey, buddy. I just want you to know, I got power. I got power for you. Do you know Jesus has got power to heal you? No, no, really, really. Let's, let's let 2020 get kicked out the window for a minute. God can heal you. I, re, I rebuke, amen, the spirit of doubt that's entered in our world that doesn't believe God's a healer anymore. God is still a healer. If you've ever been healed by God, lift up your hand. Look around this building. I've been healed. This last year I've been healed. Look around this building. You are looking at people that Jesus has healed. He's still in the healing business. Okay, fine. He can heal me. But I'm too sinful for him to forgive me. Hey, I just want you to know I can forgive you too. Just watch these jokers here in a minute who didn't think it was possible. It's going to be funny. Anybody ever been forgiven by God? Has anybody ever been baptized in Jesus' name? Come on, fill with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what? I, I won't do this for the sake of embarrassing people, There's, but I will say this. There's some folks in the building that used to be addicted to the same drugs you're addicted to right now, and God delivered them. There's some people in this building that have lived the lifestyle that you live, and you're saying, I can't have it happen, but they're in this building today, and God has completely delivered them. There's some folks that have been forgiven of things that you've never even thought about doing, and God forgave them. You're in good company today. You're in good company today. You're amongst people that used to be blind, but now they see. Used to be broken, but now they're repaired. Young man, I just want you to know, don't listen to those voices. I'm still into the repair business. 
I'm still in the forgiveness business. I'm still in the healing business. Amen. And then he speaks to this guy. He says, wake up or get up or rise up. Well, Jesus, this man's paralyzed. He can't do that. Jesus said, oh, yeah, he can. Arise. Take up your bed and walk. And this man, amen, who heard the, the, the right narrative that Jesus still heals, Jesus still forgives. There's people in this building, uh, amen, that I'm going to speak a word over you. Arise, amen, where you've not been able to do it all these years by yourself. But with the help of God, you're going to be able to kick the addiction. With the help of God, you're going to get your mind right. With the help of God. He said, arise, and that man popped right up, grabbed his bed, and started making his way, uh, parting the waters to the cram door. Jesus said, i got to get up out of here. And everybody looked around amazed uh, and said, we've never seen God work like this before. Amen. Can you believe it? Uh, amen. God changed the narrative of those that were pushing the wrong narrative. Uh, amen. It let everybody in the building know that God still heals. Uh, God still delivers. God still sets free. So today, we're going to come to the altar and we're going to pray. No matter what your, what your condition is, whether it is sickness in your body, if there's a problem in your mind, if your heart has been broken, if there's something you need God to do in your life, amen, I want to open up this altar. We're going to come down to the front and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that when we get to Jesus, he's going to start changing things. Would you lift up your hands as you start making your way down to the front? Come on, let's, let's empty out our seats and come down to the altar. This is a place of healing. This is a place of forgiveness. This is a place of deliverance. This is a place where God is going to let it be known to all of the false narratives. I'm still in the healing business. This is the place where God is going to eradicate the false narrative. I'm still saving people. I'm still setting people free. Come on, would you lift up your voices? We begin to sing all across this building. Would you begin to pray and cry out to the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Come on, I might be broken, but I'm determined to make it to that altar. I might be broken, but I am determined to get to Jesus where I could get it fixed. I might be broken, but I'm determined I'm going to go where Jesus can deliver me. Come on, you came all this way. Come on, there's some folks you had to crawl your way to church. There's some folks you had to overcome some things on your way to church. You had to, you had to proverbially crawl up a roof to church. I want to encourage you to begin to pray. Don't waste an opportunity to talk to Jesus right now. Come on, let's pray. Lift up your voice and call on the name of Jesus. If you need forgiveness in your life, he's available. If you need deliverance in your life, he's available. If you need God to touch your mind, he can do it right now. If you need God to touch your heart, he can do it right now. Come on, that's it. If you are sick in your body, we can pray for you. And the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Magnify the Lord. Are open. Are in this place. 
Come on, let's hit somebody in the pray. Your faith is praying. In this place, it's able. That's it, church. Find somebody to pray with if it's appropriate and begin to pray for them. You may not know the brokenness that they brought into this building, but they don't have to stay broken. 